Hey everybody, what's up? This is Elena with CounterCurrents, and you'll notice that my partner's voice is gone. He has a gig tonight. Petey's not here, but luckily I got a lot of backup here. First off, I have the host of tonight's show at Arlington Draft House, Jared Stern. Hey, hey. And I also have the feature of the show tonight at Arlington Draft House, Steve Wrigley. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's me. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty yep. sure. And our headliner, the most amazing Reese Darby. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So I have, I don't think I've ever seen a show at Arlington that has gotten a standing ovation. Oh, really? Today. Yeah. And I'm here pretty much every Saturday. And wow. your show was packed out and there were people standing up at the end. Oh, that's so like, cool. So how, are you touring this right now or what? No, no. This is just like a, this is a one-off you know, I love Arlington. I've uh -huh. been here a few times. This is a great uh, venue for me. I love this big stage. I love this venue. And I'm kind of like, oh, geez, did you hear that? The coronavirus is causing <laughs> Sorry, yeah. listeners, that sounded like, yeah, 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 there was some sort of earthquake happening there. But we're fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of, for me, rather than, you know, go to places that necessarily are, uh, resonant with with what you you know responding to what you're saying for me it's about venues because I feel mm -hmm. like people all over the world are pretty much the same humans humans right. and I do very universal material so for me it comes down to the space okay and uh, I love spaces and this uh, draft house cinema and draft house here in Arlington is a great space Steve would you agree no, but you're, <laughs> you're free to have your opinions, right? So. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. It, it, it's, uh, sometimes with the sound of the laughs, it can be a little funky. It, it is a, yeah. It's a real fun room to perform in. It I've is. been making jokes every night about how they decided to furnish the entire place with office chairs. Yes, yes. And how you have people like rocking while... Yeah, it's, while, it's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Anything weird or odd like that just makes me happier. The okay. fact that this place, you know, the seating is office chairs on rollers is yeah. just so great. You love that people can roll around yeah. as they laugh. Absolutely. What it's was a, your line from last it's night? A, it's a choice. Oh, they, they, they shouldn't be rolling. When they say rolling in the aisles, they don't mean on like Honestly, chairs. Jared and I laughed at that. Yeah, we? because that was pretty we great. Rolling, oh, rolling in the aisles. I mean, yeah. fuck, it's brilliant. I got a full backstage comics laugh. Yeah, yeah. I know a, you got you got nothing yeah, from the audience, but yeah. honestly, back here, <laughs> back here, man, we were like, he finally got one. Wrigley <laughs> 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 finally nailed it. <laughs> I was overdue. <laughs> So what do you when you when you're looking for a space? What are other than office chairs that people can roll around in? What are things you look for when you're looking to perform in a venue? So low ceiling, okay. uh, people tightly packed, it being a bit dingy, people uh -huh. not quite comfortable, uh, drinks are flowing, uh, people who are, who need a laugh from an environment that you know they've been working hard and they just they just are itching for it. You can tell pre-show when people via the chatter by people's hum the the the, the uh is that the right word the hum they yeah you know, i think that, yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah. I, I i think desperation just makes everything easier <laughs> yeah so when you say you, you like it to be a little bit dingy why do you think it's better in a in a venue that's a little bit dingy versus like something fancy if you're comfortable chairs? if you're comfortable and you're relaxed you won't laugh as much you need mm. to be slightly out of your comfort zone 
and then the comfort comes in the comedy. Right. You know, it's That's like, yeah, I think I think it's important. I mean, you know, I've done this for years. These guys, I'm sure, have done it for years as well. It's 20 years for me now, and I, you know, I'm just used to. I just know when it works, right. where, where it works. Right. Um, and yeah, this is one of those places. And you say you've been doing comedy 20 years. How do you guys? know each other um we're comedians from new zealand so so, so this is it <laughs> this a, is the whole there's only a handful of us i'm literally yeah. sitting in between this is the half new the new zealand, zealand comedy scene yeah. there's yeah. one guy holding down the fort back home yeah I, I first met reese uh we have a comedy festival in new zealand it's very different but like here in america a comedy festival is like one venue with 25 comedians all on and just just like one show type deal mm-hmm. in new zealand we have a comedy festival where you know, you do an entire weeks long season and there's about a uh, hundred comics all doing a, a, their own solo hour shows and each venue has like three shows a night and they churn people through. And I first met Reese when he did his show. It was the one, I can't remember what it was called, Reese, but the poster was you. It looked like you had an acid tab on your tongue, but when oh, you yeah. closer, it was a picture of your face. The Neon <laughs> Outlaw. The Neon Outlaw, that was yeah. it. Yeah. And I, was, I had Dancing Girls doing backup on that that's show. That's right. Oh wow! Yeah, that yeah. was when I'd really like got too big for myself. Oh, so you so you've had like backup in your stand up? I don't think I've ever. I heard did that stand up, but I had like two backup dancers. Oh, it was amazing. it was crazy. So like, so, like you did a punchline, and then they like did some moves, or like how? No, because my shows always had a narrative, and so okay. in my show I was a stand up that was trying to sort of get to some point in his life where I was getting on a rocket going to space, more than likely. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I and I probably had uh, these girls. I have no idea. Like, the New Zealand, the, at the comedy festival in New Zealand, it's like when, when people go to do their hour shows. Some people just go and do an hour of of, of their best stand up. But a lot of people, you know, it's an, it's also like a license to do something really creative and weird. Yeah. And so you know, people do everything from you know shows where they might sort of be telling a narrative stand up story that finishes with dancing girls right. or. Uh, they might have some whole scenario going on with PowerPoint, or they. Wait, I was the only guy that had dancing. Oh, now he's, now he's getting yeah. very defensive about the. Don't dancing just like right, throw it out there <laughs> like so like a lot of a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. I was the only one that did it, and right. I did it once, and I'm it was wrong of... to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially in this day and age, by the way, if I did do it again, you know, that'd be boys or girls. That'd I'm be or trans. The... Oh, that would okay. not be. I'm not. You know. I'm thinking yeah. of the show with dancing girls that had the one stand-up comedian come out. Oh yes, it was their yeah. show. I that took I the was... old thing and I flipped it around. Love it. Oh. Sorry, I take that back. So there was another comedian using Dancing Girls. No, uh, but so what? What is the New Zealand stand-up scene like? Like when you are just a starting amateur comic, are there mics? Is there like mm. one mic? Is there a lot? What's the? It's actually the really vibe? good because mm. we have a kind of burgeoning scene now. Now. You know, Steve and I have been in the game for a long time, mm. but if you were to go back to New Zealand now, any American comics or anyone visiting to see what the scene is like, it's mm. really cool because there's only a few clubs, there's only a few places doing it, but people are turning up, and it's kind of in that burgeoning age where maybe the States was, maybe in the 80s, you know, that feel mm. where stand-up is like the new rock and roll? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feels like where we're at in New Zealand now. That's awesome. So it's, it's really, really cool. When yeah. Reese says there's a few clubs, there's one. <laughs> one proper club, but there are other venues. There's like little venues and pop-up shows. And yeah, one, sure. Which, like, talking about places, dingy places being good, it used to be a porno theatre. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Our okay. one big club, the, the classic, the classic. used, used to, be to be a porn theatre. Sure. And most of these, this is all in Auckland where yeah, everything yeah. That one is, okay. yeah. Okay. And but the scene's pretty, it's, it's, yeah, it's just good because it's so small as well. Like, I was talking to someone about it today and I said, you know, the biggest difference between, I think, New Zealand and, and the States would be that, like, the best stand-up comedian in the States, the literally just na- most naturally funny comic, might never get discovered and might never get on television and might never get right. yeah. they might be out there right now right. in Ohio because it's so vast because it yeah. it's so vast yeah. but in New Zealand if you're good like if you can be funny on stage you are going to get noticed and you are going to get put in a somewhere. good spot somewhere right you can't you yeah. can't go unseen. You, you won't impossible. be ignored. Yeah. Right. It's and a big fish in a small pool sort of thing. Yeah, or the, I would say the weird foot the weird fish. Yeah. In, <laughs> in the yeah. oblong pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you know, you start doing comedy in New Zealand, do you find like you you just said you think people everywhere are the same, but did you find that there were sort of culture culture shock? from a comedic standpoint when or you too when you get on stage here there's certain jokes that kill it in New Zealand and here people don't get or certain jokes that kill here that people in New Zealand are like doesn't really isn't working for me or like even yeah. with your tone or something mm. like that is it different I think it's easier here because like literally either me or Reese like tonight like I just walk out and go hello and they yeah. laugh. People are entranced right. by an accent. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's a very... Yeah, thing. it's a difficult one because it's easy for us because we are foreigners and we are different and so people are interested right. automatically. But that happens you know, no matter which country you're in and we've experienced that by traveling to other countries and, and by proxy in New Zealand when foreigners come to our country, automatically we're interested in hearing right. them, whether it be mm. you know, uh, an American accent or anything else. And so there is that advantage, but you have to talk about things that are relevant right. you know and so for me you know it's not relevant for me to talk about american politics or anything like that because right. i'm not from here so i right. talk about things that are relevant to the human condition right. which is being awkward yeah, being in situations that are bizarre right. and i put a real weird tangent on things because that's who i am and i'm right. not normal I don't know how well you know me, but I, I, I'm very bizarre, and so. But people like that about me, so they expect that. And right. I, and I love movement, and sound effects and things. So I put, I put a weird place in. But I think that kind of that travels across the board. Now, Steve, speaking for him, you know, he's married to an American, so there's a really okay. cool position there where he can cross into both worlds. Mm. Okay. And uh, Steve, yeah, I, one of the things that I reckon. Is, is, is different for us is that our, like, we're massively influenced by the alternative comedy scene that sprung up in London during the like, late 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. and, and like what, our style of stand up is more conversive with the crowd Whereas I think American stand-up traditionally is more performative right and like you know so for us it's like we go out there and we try to talk to the crowd whereas I think the traditional American method is to deliver your jokes at the crowd. Right. And I think that's what is, it's 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 one of those things for us that also makes us different. And I when I first came here, I, I was really concerned about you know whether people are going to get into that. But yeah, I mean it's it's kind of neat coming here and, and doing our stand up because especially in, you know some places you go and you know we kind of like to engage the audience and get into it. And you can have those things where some crowds are like, wait a minute, it's like he's talking to me what's right, going right, on right. You know? yeah, but yeah we sort of have more of a conversive than a performative style I don't know I think it's just it's fun to kind of bring that here and, and, and do that but I don't know like I've never 
I found that because most of what I do is telling stories about my life, mm -hmm. um, being a New Zealander who's married an American, when I go back to New Zealand, I'm giving the New Zealand perspective of that. And when I'm in America, I've kind of again got that tie. So, you know, it's just a sort of might pitch, pitch things a little bit differently. But mm -hmm. on the whole, comedy is a pretty universal language. Everyone's speaking English. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Jared, how how you know you've you've watched two Kiwis over the last couple of nights? <laughs> how how can you say that we're kind of a different? Is it relevant? Like, is it obvious to you that we're a little different to some of the locals? I mean, I I wouldn't say you guys are are super different. I mean, you're you're you have a very an, both have very animated styles. Uh, Steve uh, in, enjoys. Yelling Vocal, vocally, a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, is uh, it bad? Is it bad? No, yeah. it's no. fucking comedic yelling. But no, but sure. it's but yeah. But Come on! Yeah. But funny, well, funny is funny. I mean, it's. Because right. I always like, find it really weird when you see an American comic and he's talking about something that upsets him. But he's like, yeah, so I'm really upset about this, and I'm like, you don't look upset. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> talking about you want how something upsets me, I should be upset yeah. when I'm talking about right. it because right. it's a conversation, you know. Right. But I don't know. And so. When did you start performing micless, like with like with the the Madonna mic? Oh, well, <laughs> very early on because I I realized I wanted to express myself physically more. Yeah. And I didn't want to be stuck behind that mic on a stand because, just in general, I like to express myself physically, yeah. and yeah, physical performance became part of my. My, my shtick. Yeah. So, it's uh, interesting how it changes things though, because we did a gig together in Charlotte last year, and they didn't have a headset mic for Rex, and so he had to go uh, on handheld. And it was like, like I was talking to him about that at the time. It was one of my favourite sets I've ever seen you do, because because you were performing in a way that you weren't used to. You just yeah. went fully off the cuff. Yeah. You fully freestyled your face off for like forty-five minutes, and wow. it was hilarious. Mm. But okay. you know, it's, it's funny how you sort of. Just that the difference between holding something and talking into it and having your hands free it's completely so, changes it's so the way different. you yeah, It changes you dramatically. Yeah. In fact, I would say this to, to all comics to try and step it out in a different way to maybe go go micless or go, yeah. go, go with like a face mic, which I've done, because then you can be more physical. And for those that are physical, to restrict it back to, to a handheld and see how that changes your performance because it really... It actually teaches you to to move in a different way. Totally, totally. Yeah. I've I've been at shows where I've had to go micless because the mic went out. Real dingy places. Yeah, right. You know, but I know. At first, <laughs> at first you feel almost more exposed because it's mm. almost like a shield between you and the audience. And then sure. suddenly yeah. when you don't yeah. have it, it's like yeah. your heart's open. Yeah. To people, but then within seconds, I was like, oh, I like this better. I just keep yelling, so it doesn't yeah. make much of a difference. Right. Yeah. Well, oh, yelly use, pants is fine. Yeah, you use your voice more. <laughs> yeah. you it's always funny when you do I remember doing a show in like a 40-seat venue during a comedy festival, and the microphone cutting out, and then... Realizing so, you don't need a microphone. Really, you don't need it. Yeah. It's, just kind of, yeah. it's kind of yeah. an ego trip here to kind yeah. of have this. You yeah. know? That is a New Zealand thing, yeah. too, to actually sometimes... I think maybe our mics aren't good, oh, and okay. we, so we do just, you know talk loudly yeah. yeah now some of the sound effects kind of stuff i do it really does need the amplification of a mic right. otherwise it just doesn't work like right some my, my sound effects people think oh that's amazing but without the mic it's like oh, <laughs> i can't even it's just pathetic right so on those occasions you know i'm beholden to the mic but also at the same time 
if I'm talking away and there's a crowd that is just like too drunk or not interested, you know, if I go into a really loud amplified helicopter sound through a microphone, oh. people will just be quiet and go, wow, yeah. what yeah. if it sounds really good, it sounds really good. So I have that little trick up my sleeve. So do you just how does that work? Do you just the people are talking and you just do the sound out of I'll nowhere? Just do it. Or do you yeah, I'll just go, up? wait, listen, what's that? And I'll do a massive <laughs> black hawk helicopter really loudly on a microphone. But like at this venue that I don't you know, to some venues it can be really 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 good and I don't need to do it but sometimes if I have to I, I, I could do it but um, and I've also done like passing F-14 Tomcats you know like massive jet planes okay breaking the sound barrier okay oh yeah that's yeah. loud that'll, so that'll, it's, that'll it's, do it it's boom shit and people yeah. are like wow yeah I mean is work. it funny I don't know. But if you go, <laughs> it's funny that he's doing it. But it's it. loud. Exactly. It's loud. Do you know what? It's funny. That was it's tonight. Loud. Yeah. It's funny that you enjoy it. That's what's funny. It's funny. Yeah. And it's I funny think it's my face as yeah. I do it. It's my you face. You do those things and you it's look so, so proud of yourself. Yeah. Because you've just made a dumb sound, but your face is always like, I've just literally done the greatest thing I think yeah. you'll ever and seen. And I do it like a move, or like my art, like a jazz hands. And I'm like jazz hands and like, people, I just did that. And it's so stupid. <laughs> so so you're talking about coming up in the London alternative comedy scene in the mm. early 90s? You guys both did that? What well, no, I say that that 2000s. influenced us. 2000s. That, that's okay. what influenced us, yeah. for oh, okay. sure, yeah. All what, that sort of... what comedians and stuff were was the, that? Because for the New Zealand International Comedy Festival that I was talking about earlier, they, you know, it's it was comics from... Um, like our international guests were always comedians from London and Scotland and uh -huh. Britain. So we sort of... They would come out to New Zealand and perform, and we'd meet them. Uh -huh. um, but Reese actually was the I, I I spent a bit of time there. But Reese, you lived there for ages. Yeah, I mean, I did I did the full you know you know nearly a decade of Flight of the Concords. You did it all out of London, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. The radio show was was out of London, two thousand and uh, I want to say four, two thousand four, two thousand five. Mm -hmm. And then we got the TV show in America, two thousand six. We did the pilot for that. But yeah, but but pre that, the two thousand and two onwards was uh, I was UK based. And what was comedy like? There was that an interesting jump because did you go there at a point in your career where you already very established by the time you went to London, or was it you got to London and that's where things started to happen for you? Established as I could be in New Zealand, right, right, hit the ceiling pretty right. pretty early on, like maybe right. week. Week three, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. and so, yeah. but also, really, what it was for me was just like British comics telling me that my stuff would work in England. Uh -huh. You know, like Adam Bloom, he said to me, "You know, you need to get over to the UK because your stuff is, you know, it's universal. You're you're talking about mermaids and jetpacks and dinosaurs. You know, this is stuff that everyone can understand." Right. I mean, is it funny? No, but people understand, <laughs> people understand it. People sit there and know what a dinosaur Right, right. Time right. machines, you know, and things like that. It's just weird stuff. And so I came over there and, uh, and you know, and, and, you know, I wanted to because it was the motherland to us, you know, from right. New Zealand where I grew up watching British comedy. And so to get to the Mecca was to impress impress the British and that was the big that was the big thing and that's what I put the hard yards in and people that may not uh, know this you know there was like 300 comedy clubs in London itself mm. wow that's insane it's wow. just the mecca like yeah. and they pay 
cash money. Yeah. Like they, there's just wow. and people and they're full. Like people go to comedy. Like, you know, the the, the British Isles, the weather is shit. You yeah. know, and there's a yeah. lot of depression. And people, yeah. that's why they're the best at comedy because they they make each other laugh and they get through life that way. And I love them and I wanted to be part of it. And I, I needed to prove myself that I was one of these chaps. Mm-hmm. And so it took a lot. And, uh, and I, I kind of almost got there and I got enough kind of kudos from, from doing what I was doing. I, I was different. There's a cool thing about the, the scene over there as well that I think is another big di- difference to hear is that like Reese is saying, like com- com- comedy was the brand there. So like, you wouldn't go to a co- like here, you know, a comedy club has someone famous who's on TV headlining. Mm. Right. No yeah. one, it's you not know, about in, that in, in the UK, you don't even check to see who's on. No. You just right. the, the comedy club is the brand because the stand. You know the standard's going to be good. The standard's right. going to be high, and the comedy club is all about who does the booking and who picks the act. So you would go, and it, people like Reese didn't have like a an famous name or anything no but they would book him because they knew we put this guy on for 30 minutes in any point in the show and he's going to do the job and so it was a really cool thing to be able to go and do because and they paid really well like 300 pounds which or whatever for a gig which in new zealand was like about a thousand bucks or something you know when you got it back home yeah not straight away but once you sort of get up you've got to rise up through the ranks for sure But, and also, let's not forget that you're dealing with an audience that, uh, you know, they can be harsh. They, yeah. they are used to the best. So if you yeah. slip up or if you're not funny within 30 seconds, they're going to be heckling. You right. know, it's not right. some, Americans are lovely. They're kind of like, oh, this is great. We've got comedy. Right. You know, and the British are like, you better be funny. Otherwise, we're going to throw shit at you. Right. <laughs> so it's a real harsh lesson. And I think, like any American comics out there, I would recommend you try British uh, clubs, you get to the festivals over there like Edinburgh, Edinburgh uh, mm-hmm. and, and other ones because you are going to gain so much skill from it. Right. Mm. That's awesome. Sick yeah. swim. So what does everybody have coming up? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the classic right, uh, answer. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Uh, this is it for me. This was kind of the peak. Uh, but no, in seriousness, my podcast is out on Spotify it's called Aliens Like Us. So if you're into uh, the weird, the paranormal, if you want to know the truth and you want a bit of comedy on the side, okay, listen to my podcast. Okay. Um, and other than that, you know, keep an eye on the sky. It's really good. Okay. Oh, yeah. Keep washing your hands. Yeah, wash I don't know your where hands. this is going out, but if anyone's still alive out there. Yeah. You know, this is on Monday, so it might all be over oh, by then. Yeah. Yeah. Could have all yeah. blown over by yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, we could all be, or everyone could be stuck in their houses with nothing to do. Hopefully, listening to this. So, yeah. anyone yeah. that's that that you know, just follow us because we do so many things. Comics generally, you know, we might just do stand up, but we also generally like write or do TV mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Uh, I, I appear in movies and things. Whatever comes up, I never know what's around the next door. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, and I just have so many like secret projects that I can't talk about, so it's kind of like I have to wait till they're officially released. You know what it's like in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everything must be a secret. Uh, what about you, Steve? What do you have coming up? Uh, well, I'm heading back over to New Zealand to do the comedy festival there, but yeah, I'm just sort of trying to actually. I've, I've t- took a couple of years off of doing stand up to just sort of raise my son out in Western New York with my wife, so I'm getting back into it. So. Mm-hmm. 
You know, if you book comedy and you want someone who's almost as funny as Reese, give us a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the, the world's greatest. Goes a long way. Right. Yeah. Second yeah. tier. Yeah, that's right. Because let's be honest, you can't afford me. So <laughs> you're looking at Steve, Steve. or Jared. Jared, I'll what about do you? Reese's set. Okay, I know it pretty well, so I can go out. Who can't do it? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what about you, Jared? What do you have coming up? Uh, I got a couple things coming up locally. I'm going to be uh, at the Comedy Zone in Harrisburg later this month. Go to jaredstern.com. You can find out up where I'll be. Also, I've got an album out on uh, iTunes and Apple Music. Nice. Jared Stern or Current Resident. Okay. Uh, so check that out. Okay. Awesome. Cool. And I will tell you what's coming up at Arlington Draft House, but my phone's in my jacket across the room, and these guys have a show to get to. So uh, check out ArlingtonDraftHouse.com, and you'll find out all the cool shows that we have coming up. They're usually on the weekends, 7 and 9 on Friday, 7 and 9.30 on the weekends on Saturdays. And then DC Draft House, same time, same places. And thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Thanks.